Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Easy Conversations podcast, a podcast about having easy conversations. I'm your host, Fertan Dandia. This is episode two of the Everyday Man series I started last week, uh, where I talked to three men that I know who are fathers and husbands. They are building a future for their families while putting in the work to better themselves so they can be better fathers and husbands. These are true heroes in our lives, but do not get the praise they deserve. In this second episode of the series, I sit down with my friend, Sean Mahoney. We talk about Sean's journey through life, focusing on being a better husband and a better father. Sean and I also discuss the importance of mental health and being aware of managing mental health challenges when they arise. Sean finally shares his focus area as he gets older, being mindful of how the world is changing and how we need to adapt as men. I really hope you get a lot out of this episode. And if at the end, you could leave a five-star review, I would truly appreciate it. Right, well, Sean, welcome to the uh, Easy Conversations podcast. Uh, thank you for taking the time. I'm super grateful. Um, and uh, for, for me, I've never went for a run <laughs> with any of my guests before the recording, so this is new. But uh, yeah. Um, and then, as I mentioned, I'm doing a three episode series where I'm all three guests are. I'm calling it the everyday man, but it's basically men that are husbands and fathers and, you know, they're doing their thing, uh, working and also doing a lot of work on themselves right. to become better men. And I find that inspiring. And to me, you know, we, we uh, glorify a lot of men in this world, but uh, guys like yourself don't get enough praise. So, uh, Thank you. yeah. So... But before we get started, I want to give you an opportunity to uh, introduce yourself and maybe talk about a little bit about what you do and yeah, what excites you and stuff like that. Sure, you know, I I, I think you know I, I think a good story is always starts with kind of your birth, right? Like, <laughs> well, you know, and, and if you think about an everyday man, you know, I was born in small town Alberta, you know, Lethbridge. You know, we moved around between Lethbridge, Fort McMurray, Dawson Creek. You know, and I think moving forms you in a way mm -hmm. when you see different places then I came to school in Calgary I've been here ever since you know I, I, I resisted the temptation to introduce myself as my job yeah and that's it's just kind of a funny thing yeah. like my, my first instinct was to say you know I work here I do this mm -hmm. it's like well that's not me yeah. actually that's just what I do and so but I will I will talk about that you know I think you know Maybe, maybe I would say in some ways, um, and maybe a lot of people feel this way, is, is, you know, in some ways I'm a misfit, right? Like I've, I've actually traveled through lots of career choices and, you know, working for, you know, when I started off, I had university, I made a very logical choice, you know, become a chartered accountant because it was going to pay my bills, I had student debt. It was a horrible choice, mm -hmm. you know, and, you know, luckily, you know, through some circumstances, the way it happened, and I can tell that story a little bit more in detail, but I, I realized it wasn't for me, and I made a change, and I went and I did construction and framing, and I kind of, for a few, few years, which led me to oil and gas accounting, which, you know, then led me to becoming a consultant with a, you know, I think it was the big seven, it's now the big four mm -hmm. consulting firms. I traveled around, worked on, you know, big dollar problems, um, moved back home, started my own business, um, you know, did that kind of, kind of develop for a decade, mm -hmm. you know, and then now I'm working for, you know, I started working for, you know, I think kind of Brookfield, um, uh, as an organization, you know, that didn't fit very well for me and I've been working for a decade for like a, a local oil and gas company. Mm -hmm. right? Then progressing through roles, you know, kind of in a, um, IT roles and then now kind of more in an innovation role. It's kind of last three years. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's kind of my yeah career and, and life progression in a nutshell I'm, I'm actually married have four kids and i think i'm coming up on 30 years of marriage wow yeah you know so you know when you think about it that's probably my biggest achievement in a lot of ways or my wife's biggest achievement i'm not sure which one <laughs> yeah yeah and four kids i mean that's a huge accomplishment too right to be able to raise yeah. or an honor right yes yeah 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 so i mean you know you've obviously got this great career you've got a family you know especially four kids how do you find time for yourself well 
you know, I, I think I think you go through phases. You know, I would have said that 2021 was a really a year where I didn't. Mm. I didn't make good time for myself. You know, I think I felt the negative effects of that. But you know, I think I think it's really hard when you're like, for example, you know, we adopted a young guy, mm -hmm. and so you know, he was six when we got him, and so we had kind of almost been empty nesters. And it brought us back, you know, you change and all of a sudden, you know, you can't both go out at the same time. Mm -hmm. And so then when you take time for yourself, you're taking time away from your partner. Mm -hmm. And that creates all kinds of complexities in how you, you know, how you feel about taking time for yourself. That as he's gotten older, you know, again, you remember that pressure kind of comes off as your kids yep. doesn't need you. So, so I think that's actually a, a perpetual struggle. Like that feels like a lifelong struggle. Mm -hmm. And then when you take time off, can you get yourself away? Like, like you can not be at work or you can not be being a dad, but can you stop ruminating on it? Can you stop thinking about those things? You know, mm -hmm. that's the second challenge, right? Mm -hmm. I think in that conversation. So I'm not sure I asked to answer your question, but I do think that's what I think about is like, well, how do I actually clear my mind? Mm -hmm. So when I'm say off skiing, I'm just skiing. Yeah. Or I'm doing a podcast with somebody. I'm just here. I'm just present, and mm -hmm. that's that is a practice. That's mm -hmm. a continuing practice. Is to you know to be present in the moment and just let it happen, right? Yeah, yeah. It's interesting because um, I was talking to a friend of mine a couple of days ago, and we we're talking about you know how important it is to prioritize ourselves. But then there's this aspect of guilt that comes with it, like you said. You know, like you, when you you take that time for yourself, you're taking that time away from your partner. And, you know, we were talking about it and I was like, if you're not taking that time for yourself, despite the guilt you may feel, how are you showing up, right? If you're constantly not taking that time for yourself, then you're not really present, perhaps. Yeah, well, and, and I say, in this, like in this last year, I, I think I just became kind of mentally unhealthy, like I was unhappy. Mm -hmm. I was lots of lots of things that I wouldn't, you know, I was said, you know, my, my anxiety felt really high, you know, I was getting kind of chest pains, actually went and saw my doctor. Guess what? It was all under my control. Like, mm -hmm. like there was, you know, who's who's the um, the villain in the story is it's like I just didn't do the things yeah. that I used to do to take care of myself, to be a good partner, to be a good employee, to be a good dad. You know, you actually have to take care of yourself first. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, it's easy to say, but it's really easy to not do that. Yeah. Like, it's way easier to not take time for yourself than mm -hmm. it is to take sure. time. Absolutely. And and I guess knowing that, like, you know, as you mentioned, you went through some experiences recently. Um, has your perspective changed? Like, or was it always something that you thought was important, but obviously struggled with making time for it? I, I, you know, I, I think that, um, I, I can't, you know, it's hard to remember old mindsets, but I, I would say what's kind of things that I observed this year mm -hmm. was, you know, with COVID and, you know, the isolation you get, you know, you maybe feel a bit like you have to sacrifice on your values to maybe to just not be as lonely. Mm. So you go out and hang with people to do things that maybe you wouldn't normally do, but it was, you know, what was available given all the constraints yeah. and stuff that we're dealing with. And so... You know, and I actually think, you know, you and I talked about this, you know, like, you end up drinking. Yes. Because that's what the people are doing. It may not be what, you know, like, what a great choice for us today. Mm. You know, it's like, instead of going for a beer, we went for a run. Mm -hmm. But I don't know how many people you can actually make that choice with, right? Well, like, like, and I wouldn't have suggested it mm -hmm. otherwise, right? Like, I knew it's something you would be open to. Mm -hmm. But what, what a way better evening mm -hmm. to have, when, like you say, and then you, you think about the cascading effects of that. So, like, and we've talked about this, where, um, well, you know, you have alcohol, or then you have bad sleep, and you wake up, and then you add caffeine. Well, caffeine stimulates you, makes you feel more anxious. Um, so then you get to the end of the day, you're still anxious, so you have another glass of wine, which mm -hmm. affects your sleep. Mm -hmm. And so it's not hard to get into these, yeah. these, these cycles for sure. That aren't great for you, right? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, if you add into that, you know, the idea that, you know, breaking those, you know, like what is getting away about maybe breaking patterns and reestablishing healthy ones, you know, like, like it, one of the things I'm actually really doing that I think is really important, I'm doing just a small amount, and it was inspired by the Muslim faith, which is, everybody talks about meditating. Mm -hmm. 
And I was trying to think about, okay, well, how do I incorporate that in my life? And I thought about, you know, Muslims will play, pray mm -hmm. five times a day. And I thought, well, maybe I don't have to seek an answer. I don't have to create my own answer. Why don't I just try to find time to, you know, for me, it's not praying, but it's resetting myself back to my values. Yep. And it can be as little as five or ten minutes. Absolutely. And I found that has really changed, you know, more than anything. Um, you know, like the, the exercise is great, but just those little resets, five, ten minutes, back to what do I care about now? What do I care about now? Mm -hmm. Go back to those. Is I think pretty important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and I think we all kind of go through our journey. So, like you said earlier, it's hard to pinpoint old mindsets. Mm -hmm. But we often go through this journey, and, and you know, fortunately, we, we figure it out at times, right? Mm -hmm. And then make those changes, and we see those results, and and we like to stick to them. And and to your point, otherwise we fall into this cycle, and and you know, we don't realize how each day, you know, how we compound that impact of poor sleep. It mm -hmm. just gets worse and worse and worse and it, it keeps adding up. Um, and I guess one of the things I wanted to talk about also is, you know, I, I know mental health is something that is important to you. Mm -hmm. uh, do you mind sharing a little bit about why? Oh, um, wow. You know, I, I think we have, there is, I have a family member who actually struggles with mental health and actually we've had, you know, um, I've had a couple of people actually in, in my family um, deal with it in different ways, mm -hmm. you know, and um, it's super interesting. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, this one family member, you know, went through this journey, you know, and, I, and it's not easy. Like, like when you watch what a person has to deal with when they're dealing with mental health issues, like nobody wants to claim that space. Nobody wants to come out and say, you know, like, and, and so we observe things like mm -hmm. they would rather claim they were an alcoholic because mm -hmm. an alcoholic is more socially acceptable than someone with mental health issues, right? And so, you know, she literally would drink to create the proof. Yeah. And it's just, you know, so like you think about the stigma and how that, what does that mean, right? But, you know, when you're, when you're there, and one of the things I was able to do is, you know, we went to this um, session and they, they were talking about the program they were in. And they talked about cognitive behavior therapy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they were talking about depression. Yeah. And, I, and they were talking about what it felt like. And I'm like, well, I, I know that feeling. And they were talking about, you know, some of the things around maybe someone who's bipolar. And I was like, well, I know that feeling. Mm -hmm. You know, I maybe don't have it in the same degree. Yeah. But it made you kind of go and say, you know, one, to say, you know, I'm only one degree away mm -hmm. from this. Like, this is not far from me. Um, two, you know, man, it's it's a burden for people who have it. Mm -hmm. um, and so you really should try to take care as best you can of what you have when you have it. Mm -hmm. Because if you lose it, it's really hard to get back. Yes. Right? It's really a, a struggle to get back. And mm -hmm. you, you probably don't want that struggle in your life if you can mm -hmm. avoid it, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, I've been fortunate enough, like as I'm becoming or studying psychology, um, going through the DSM-5, you know, where they talk about the different disorders, it's one of the things is like we often tend to label people, mm -hmm. right? And when you start going through it, you can either start diagnosing people or you can have compassion and understand that we all to your point exhibit certain disorders to, you know occasionally we'll have we'll check off some of the boxes especially mm -hmm. if we're having a bad day or we're going oh, through yeah. a tough time so i think it's important to have compassion that we can all fall into it um and then also have compassion for people that do struggle with it right because mm -hmm. it is uh, like if you were to ask them deep down inside, they would tell you that it's not something that they enjoy, obviously, mm -hmm. right? And it's such a tough cycle for them to break. And, mm -hmm. and you know, CBT is definitely one way that you can help, but there's there are other ways. But yeah, so I think for you to be able to experience that, does it, do you feel like having that experience makes you more aware um, and makes you put priority on, on your own mental health? 
Um, I think the journey for me started was, you know, it's really interesting because, you know, when you, when you kind of grow up with a person, this was a very close sibling, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. uh, lots of time together. Yeah. You know, I'm the youngest, so everybody influenced my thinking. And you yeah. kind of, you, first of all, it was the question was like, well, what do I think now that mm -hmm. was given to me maybe by somebody who's perceiving the world very differently? Yeah. You know, is there anything that's kind of grown in there? And then you kind of, the second thing that you say is, it's like, well, this wasn't detectable mm -hmm. for 40 years. Mm -hmm. You know, so like you say, you know, well, you can be healthy and then unhealthy Yeah. Um, later. So to your point is like, well, okay, well, I don't know what tips that, mm -hmm. but yeah, I should pay attention to this. So I, I think it does, and then it, like you say, you immediately start to reflect because you have personal experience in it. And you see the heartache for them and you see the heartache on your family and you see the, the difficulty it creates for people. I was like, yeah, this is tough. Like, mm -hmm. you know, I need to do a good job to make sure I don't put myself into this spot somehow, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. For sure, for sure, yeah. And, and then I guess being a father to four children, like, what are some things you do to kind of, you know, like do your own healing and your own work? And mm -hmm. I know we've talked about these things, but like, um, you know, obviously I know you value, you really value your relationship with your children, but like, yeah, so. Well, the one I'm going to refer to another in your podcast, but I think, and I can't remember the name of it, but the yeah. guy was talking about the dad work, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, you know, it hit me quite deep, right? Mm -hmm. You know, because sometimes we're not the guy we want to be, and there's nothing more important than being a good dad, mm -hmm. you know, like really because these these people need you, yeah, they they you know, and and so I think we we. I think the hardest thing about being a dad is, is how you feel about even little mistakes. Yeah. Right? Like, I think the magnification of that can lead to some fairly hard self-talk. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, like, I think you can kind of go, that was stupid. I'm really stupid. That was, that, why am I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, and it's funny. And so, like, I've actually gone through a, a process of, of kind of, you know, thinking about, from that podcast, you know, making sure, like, hey, just so you know, you're the most important thing to me. Yeah. And at times I haven't always been there in the way that I like to show up. Yeah. But, you know, I'm going to recommit to that for you. Mm -hmm. And that led to really good things, right? Like, and and so, you know, I, so I know I didn't, I'm not answering your question directly, but I, but, you know, I think the, I think that's what I think about is, and my dad talks about that. He talks about, you know, over, as you age, the things you did wrong become bigger and the things that were great get smaller. Mm -hmm. It's harder to remember the happy moments. And so I'm, you know, my, it was a great and a horrible thing to tell somebody, but, but if, if that's true for everybody, and I don't know if it will be true for me, you know, you have to be conscious to protect yourself for how you're going to feel when you maybe have less things to do other than think about your past. Mm -hmm. You know, at 80, do you want to be sitting thinking about all the stupid things you did or do you want to be thinking about all the great memories you were able to create, right? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, be able to kind of bring that with confidence and kind of into the lives of your children and your grandchildren and, and all of that. So that's a bit heavy, I know, but, um, you know, and then on a simple thing, it's just like, kids don't need that much. Mm -hmm. They need you to be present. They need you to be kind of listening to what they're, whatever they're interested in, and, you know, like, it's like, oh, Pokemon today. Or, you know, or whatever it is, you know, they score two goals in their game or, you know, they, they got this new thing. Like, it's actually, it's actually quite simple. What's hard is the rest of the world that actually jumbles you up, you know, work stresses and you come home after a long day and your kid's happy to see you, but you're just frazzled and so you want to have a nap or you want to do something else. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it's those transitions that, that kind of eat us up. Yeah. But I think the kids, like, like it's, it is quite simple. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, you know, help them with their homework. Help yeah. them reach an apple in a tree. You know, it's it's just that little feeling of that someone was there for them, right? For sure, for sure. And and I guess when you said you had those types of conversations, like how was it received? Oh, you know, it, you know, um, like you say, I, you know, I, I think my I had my oldest son was talking to him about it. He was he, he was in the house at the time, so I just went down and said, you know. I just want you to know you've always been a great kid, mm -hmm. and I know you, you know we've had our ups and downs, and I know I haven't always done a good job, mm -hmm. but you have always been a good person. Mm -hmm. He you know, kind of shakes his head. <laughs> He's waking up. <laughs> He's like, "Wow, 
that's actually really nice. That's a nice way to wake up. Thank you. You know, and you know, I think this is from conversations with you. You know, and my kids are older, but but it turns out it matters. It oh. matters. Yeah. You know what your parents say to you, how they actually view you, if they value you, even when you're 30, to be valued by your parents is pretty important, right? Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, and then the other thing you said, like, um, based on what your dad said, like, as you get older, you know, the mistakes you've made feel bigger, mm -hmm. and the good things you've done probably don't feel as great, or they're probably small in value. What do you think about that? Like, I obviously have my own thoughts, but... Um, and where does that take you? I'm curious, like... Well, I think fundamentally we're wired to think that way, mm. but there's something, personally, I think that's a wrong way of looking at life, right? And, mm -hmm. and I think uh, the conversations we've had offline around even just parenting, um, and, you know, I obviously have had to change my mindset around it and recognizing that, yes... I am human, I am going to make mistakes, and I have to mm -hmm. forgive myself. Um, but, you know, I think we've talked about being able to take that ownership in front of our children, saying, yeah. hey, you know what, be the first one. I messed up here, and I'm sorry, and I'm going to make sure I do better next time. Mm -hmm. And I think that in itself is huge, because now your kids know, okay, well, you know, dad or mom, or they know... Like, I can call him out, too. And, and my son calls me out. Um, <clears throat> but I think when we carry that heaviness throughout our lives, then we're, we're obviously going to be thinking about all the things we did wrong. And I, I just think it's flawed because then we're not giving ourselves enough credit. We're not having enough compassion for ourselves. And if I was to turn a corner kind of, kind of emotionally on that, you know, you know I think... What I wanted to kind of make sure I was kind of, you know, it's easy to talk about all the good things and this is great and that kind of stuff. But like courage, mm. you know, can you be courageous if you're not scared? Right? Like if you don't feel fear, you just kind of run over, do whatever the thing is. Absolutely, yeah. Is that courage or is it just like, is nothing to you? Whereas if you're scared and you overcome it, well, that's courage. Mm -hmm. And so, so when you know, we started this conversation, we're talking about the heavy things, right? Yeah. And, and so I think that's important mm -hmm. to acknowledge, hey, you know, like we could talk all day long about the great things and make it sound like it's just a picnic that we get to do. But the truth is, there's a lot of hard feelings in being a parent. There's a lot of hard feelings in being a husband and a son and a worker or employee or whatever. And, you know, it isn't about always being able to get to feel good. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. about how do you do the right thing when you're not feeling good, mm -hmm. right? That, that's the courage you know, that it takes, you know, in that moment when maybe you're frazzled and you're freaked out from work and your kids maybe kind of driving you crazy because they're, you know, screaming and running around. That's the moment to be a great dad. Mm -hmm. Not when it's really easy and you're on vacation and, you know, you're in a great headspace. Like, yeah, that's easy then. Absolutely, yeah. Right, and so I think that's kind of the, the, the importance of kind of acknowledging, yeah, my dad's right. Mm-hmm. My dad does a good job showing up, mm -hmm. right? So he comes and he goes around with my kids and stuff. But every once in a while he'll talk about maybe what's in his mind. And yeah. Go, oh, I wouldn't have known. Thank you for the heads up that I may have to deal with that. But thank you also for having the courage to show up mm -hmm. despite all that, what you're feeling, in a yeah. way that actually makes it pretty easy for us to hang around here. Right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I think so. And I think that's where it's important to have those conversations and I think I've gone through that same journey with my parents. So even if they are thinking, hey, we made all these mistakes, it's like, no, mom and dad, like, you guys did your best. Now it's my job to like deal with it, right? Mm -hmm. Like you did your best. You would have the best intentions at all times. Yeah. Uh, like, uh, of course you're going to make mistakes. And I've said this before. It's not like you had this manual to read and be like, oh, yeah, follow through, right? So I think we're we're hard on ourselves and to your point I think there's also an aspect if we didn't have that level of accountability then we wouldn't always hold ourselves to a standard yeah. right so I think it's finding the right balance you need a bit of both um, and, and often people tend to fall on the other side of the spectrum or just really hard on themselves 
Yeah, and I do think that does take practice to, to kind of make sure that you don't hang Come on. I know, yeah. Well said, is I guess what I would say to that. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I guess, I mean, as a husband as well, I mean, that's a huge role, and, and you alluded to that earlier. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, like, what are some things that, you know, you do, again, t to feel like, okay, these are my goals to be a, a better husband or, you know, for other men that are listening. I'm lucky. <clears throat> you know, and I think this is the thing is, like, I actually really like my wife as a person. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and she's a good person and she has really high values and, she, you know, she, she's, you know, if anything, she gives too much of herself. But, um, but like, as a person, I look across you know, the dinner table, I'm like, wow. Mm -hmm. Like, she inspires me to try to be, you know, or reminds me that I need to keep working, to maybe make a, a higher level of me. But, so number one is that. Um, you know, I, I think that, uh, I think, like, like marriage is long. Mm -hmm. You know, and I, I think, and I don't know anybody else's experience, I only have mine, but like, part of me thinks that you're going to hit a rough patch. And I could say, you know, we've had rough patches that lasted months and years. Um, and, you know, we were lucky enough maybe to that not be a thing that stuck with us for five years. Like, mm -hmm. that somehow we both wanted to work on it, we both kind of kept aligned, and we kind of found a way through it. But like, maybe not feeling great, you know, like everything's great in your relationship for like, you know, 12 months, 14 yeah. months. You know, that, that's, that's a long time. And I don't think they really put that in the in the advertisements that, you know, if you want to be married 30 years, you might have some literally years where you're not feeling great about it, you're not feeling great about yourself, you kind of lose a connection. The kids are a great example. Kids, mm -hmm. kids very much pull because your primary focus is the kid. Yeah. And initially it's easy because the kids are small. But as the kids kind of get older and more independent, then you kind of have to find a way to reconnect back mm -hmm. or not. Mm-hmm. And so I think I think that that's a I think that's one of the biggest challenges to any relationship is children. To be honest with you, yeah, yeah, and surviving children. Yeah. So so yeah so I think it's important to remember, you know, what I've kind of learned is, like, man, my, like my wife said something to me like like after something I've been doing for like twenty years, probably twenty years, and she goes, you know, and it's, I'll give you the exact example. You know, we we would fight in my family. You've wronged me. I'm going to give you the cold shoulder. You know, and then when I'm feeling better, I will forgive you. And yeah, you know, yeah, it's it's and then basically we'll, it's your process. Yeah, yeah. And but literally, like after 20 years, she goes, you know, I know we're gonna fight sometimes, but I really really upsets me if we go to bed, and you don't even put your arm around me or let mm -hmm. me know that you know it's still okay. Mm -hmm. Like I feel really bad, and and I, I she may have said it to me before, like, but after this point 20 years I was like well I don't want that yeah. right? I heard it and you know and I, of course and then you feel bad because like well, why didn't I hear that mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. like 15 years ago <laughs> mm -hmm. but but I think in that moment like I think that was the thing it's just like I can change that mm -hmm. you know and so but like boy it, like I, as the example this is like it's the last thing I want to do when I'm mad at somebody is to you know, cuddle them. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, good for her for having the courage to just kind of say, this is something you could do that would make a big difference in mm -hmm. my life. Mm -hmm. And it was something that I could actually action quite easily. Like, she didn't really need me to change me fundamentally. It was a gesture that told her I still loved her even though I was mad at her. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and, and so I think the two kind of learnings in that story is, is like, well... Try to be as good a listener and try to get to those kind of conversations as early can in a relationship. Yeah. Right? Like 20 years is probably a bit on the long side mm -hmm. to figure something out as simple as that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, well, it might, it might take 20 years to sometimes figure out some things about someone you love. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, sometimes people don't figure those simple things out either. Mm -hmm. Right? And I think as you were telling that story, what clicked for me is. We all carry these patterns from our childhood, right? Mm -hmm. And we just like had your maybe your wife did mention it early on in your relationship, right? Mm -hmm. And you were just at that point you were like, Well, I've been doing this my whole life. That's yeah. how I'm wired. Yeah. Like, what do you mean there's something wrong with this? Right? And 
because that behavior was reinforced mm -hmm. when you were growing up. Yeah. So, yeah, it's interesting, right? And, and you know, I think it's important where people, especially in their relationships, can have those conversations. Like, if, it, if you can just do this, don't change yourself, but this is what mm -hmm. I need in those moments. It's, it's really important. But I think it's, it feels funner. Like, now I can remember a mindset, and I think when you're young, and you're maybe not as introspective, and you're mm -hmm. not thinking about all, you know, how you're impacting the world, it feels funner. Mm -hmm. Because you don't have all the cares. Mm -hmm. And so there is a burden that comes with kind of all these experiences and learnings, right? That it's like, oh yeah, I should be think careful how I do that, I should think about this. And it, it's good. But I do miss the freedom of just being able to just, you know, run around and be stupid and probably, you know, probably, you know, I think when you're young, people also are more resilient to the things you say and do. So it's not as, nothing carries the same weight, mm. you know, um, it feels like when you're, you know, 18 or 19, you know, the, the wounds seem small, but yeah. maybe they're not. Yeah. Well, I think as we get older, our, the people we surround ourselves with gets, like, the, that social circle gets smaller too. Mm -hmm. So now you're you're likely spending more time with people that you really really care about. That's true. It's deeper too, right? Yeah. Like you're right. So in a, in a random conversation, if you kind of screw up, and it's someone you you have a what do you call it? Almost like an incidental relationship with. Mm -hmm. It doesn't feel as bad as well. You're a ten year friend, and I've hurt your feelings. That's gonna feel worse. Or mm -hmm. you're my kid, or you're my wife. Yeah. Yeah, you're gonna wear that more. That's a good point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I guess, I mean, what's kind of on your path now? Like, as you see, you know, moving forward, like as a as a man with kids and a husband, like obviously kids are getting older. Like, where do you see things going, and and what are your priorities? I I, I actually think fundamentally, and I, I I'm lucky that I think I detected this, and I didn't detect it quickly, but I think the world has changed. And I think, I was, I was looking at humor, I actually was watching a show, and I noticed the humor was much more gentle. Like it wasn't, you know, it was goofier, it was this, this kind of little, you know, um, I, I can't remember the interplay, but the person's comment was something like, oh, thank you for noticing. And it wasn't sarcastic, it wasn't, you know, and I think about the humor that I grew up in, and you know, the type of humor was really almost attacking people. And I thought, well, that's probably a tell a little bit of maybe that, you know, my children are actually wanting to be gentle to each other. Mm -hmm. That the world wants to be a lot gentler. And it's like, that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I think it's really easy to kind of dismiss, well, everybody's so sensitive now, and, you know, I, I said this thing, and everybody's offended, and, you know, I'm not, you know, this term microaggression, you know, like, it's how it lands, it's not how you deliver it. Right, and so those can be complicated things to think about. Yeah, and especially when you've grown up in you know with humor and social norms that are more aggressive and you know maybe probably actually laced with microaggression. Mm -hmm. um, but when you when you actually look at that, you can feel very threatened on one hand. You can feel oh, this is very threatening to me in my age. I grew up in a different thing, or you could say this is awesome. Mm -hmm. Like actually, wow, I'm you know all the things I worry about for my children. I maybe don't have to worry about them growing up in a less kind world. Like, mm. like people want to be kinder. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a big deal. Yeah, no, it's interesting you mention that because for me, it's a, I look at things like, well, I'm going to speak my mind. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be blunt. And it's, you know, I didn't really put it together, but you're right. It's not how it's delivered, it's how it's received. And, you know, often when you're being too honest, it can almost come across as, a microaggression mm -hmm. comment or whatever, right? And yeah, I think it's important to be mindful of those things and something I'm going to take away for sure from this conversation. There's a, and you heard that, is it radical candor? Have you heard this? No. Um, and it, it's, you know, <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it kind of blew my mind. And it blew my mind because I'm not sure what to do with it. But, you know, the, the, you know at work there's this thing and that they're talking about radical candor. And the power of radical candor kind of can be really great because, you know, if, if people want feedback and if you can actually be very honest and direct in your feedback, it can be really helpful. Mm -hmm. But she creates a quadrant. I can't remember what the quadrants were, but but one of them, like right below radical candor, is like so it's it's, it's about caring and honesty. 
So if you really care about a person and you're really honest, it's radical candor. It's up at the top right, and that sounds great. But if you don't care quite enough about the person and you're radically honest, it kind of means you're a jerk, mm. right? You're 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 not not a good person, right? And you know, or if you don't care enough and you're not um, honest enough, yeah. You know, you're kind of this apathetic person, and you really don't care how the world goes. You don't really kind of care to give you any kind of honesty. Right. You have like, yeah. It's almost passive aggressive, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting, and like I'm not, I haven't processed it to the point where I feel like I could execute it, and I'm not sure, like, you know, when it, like in a home setting, I can see it, or in a friend setting, I'm not sure how it plays out in a work setting. Because you know, yeah. Do you have enough? Can you have enough caring in a work setting to to do that? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's tough. I think, but I do think most of our most difficult conversations are at home or yeah, it's true. <laughs> at friends, right? Uh, with friends, at least. Um, I remember. I think I was sitting through a workshop, and uh, the lady was like. Like you have to like we're we're really mindful of how we speak to our coworkers. Yeah. And we're not as much when it's our partners or family members. And she's like, Well, if you ever needed a kidney, guess who's gonna be there? <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to burn that bridge when you need a kidney. That's a good one. So yeah, so I mean, moral of the story, I think we need to be really aware and uh mindful of how we speak to the people that we live with or our, our family members or our close friends. I had I had a conversation. So I was actually, you know, talking to a therapist, and uh, I said, you know, I'm not really sure what I'm supposed to do with my social support mm -hmm. network. Mm -hmm. Like I know it's really important. I know it's like, you know, one of the best predictors of mental health, positive mental health, is having like a strong social. Yeah. But it's like. I don't really know what I'm supposed to do. Like, am I supposed to like lay it all out there, give them all my problems? Am I supposed to? And he goes, I think you're. And he goes, he goes, good question. He goes, but I think you're just supposed to enjoy spending time with them. This <laughs> is way too a really simple answer. I'm overanalyzing my head, and it's just like, but it, but it, and sometimes, and I thought about that. It's just like you know, you, you go with a friend, and what I was saying, something common happens to you, maybe happens to everybody is. I come, you know, and you don't do this, I don't think, but I'll come say, I'll, I'll just want to unload my problems a little mm -hmm. bit. Mm -hmm. And what usually happens when you do that is, is they start to unload their problems. Mm -hmm. And so maybe you wanted support in that moment, and you get kind of trumped, emotionally trumped by the other person. Mm -hmm. So I wonder if I do that. Like, I wonder, you know, and I think the person's probably trying to show, oh, I understand I have the same thing happening. <laughs> yeah, because I'll often, the perception is misery needs company. Mm -hmm. So, and the first... I think the biggest thing I learned uh, when I started the counseling program is uh, emphatic listening, mm -hmm. right? And again, it's a fine line because my initial approach too is like if someone's telling me uh, a tough story, you'd be like, try to relate. And you're not really validating the person. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if, if they're sharing something, it's reflecting back to them how they must be feeling and, and truly uh, validating the experience mm -hmm. for them. And that is an art, right? Like, obviously, like, I'm going to school for it. <laughs> yeah. So, so it, it, yeah. And um, I really have to work hard when, when someone's sharing something is, is to just, you know, ground myself and listen. And I think the podcast really helps with, <laughs> with that. I've gotten a lot of practice doing that. Um, but, yeah, and I think sometimes, you know, um, as friends, and, and, like, I'm fortunate enough to run a men's group, so I get to experience that, too, where a lot of these guys come in. Obviously, there's things you can't really talk to your partner about, or especially if you both are struggling with something. Mm -hmm. If it's related to your kids or, or something going on at home, you can't have that conversation with your partner. So for these men, this men's group is a huge outlet. Mm -hmm. And one of the biggest... I had to do tons of research on facilitating men's groups and you know again you have to give them that time and space and not chime in with oh yeah I had this experience once too and this is what I did 
Yeah. And a lot of the times people don't want a solution. They just want to be heard. And and that's taken me tons of practice. And even in relationships, right? Like if your partner comes to you, often she might not be looking for a solution. She just wants to be heard. And and as men, our go-to is like, well, <laughs> you come here with a problem, I'll send you with a solution. Yeah, my job is yeah, it's not our job. It's no. not what people need. It's made me just think about even the conversations I had today, you know, like just at work, you know, um, that I listen to that. You know what I think? What, what erodes our ability to listen? Urgency? Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe uncomfort, you mm-hmm. know, as we kind of feel anxious. Maybe something creates anxiety. Yeah. Right? Um, but it immediately just kind of made me want to double down on Got to double down on that one. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's one that every time I've done it just gets such good results. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's just it's just such a good thing to do all the time. And, uh, but it's so hard to do all yeah. the time. Yeah. Yeah. Why, well, you know, I, I've been seeing these memes or whatever on Instagram and they talk about there's a reason why we have two ears and one mouth. So we listen twice as much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I think it is kind of funny, you know. Um, so many so many things are so simple and, and known. I mean, you know, we have a common friend, right? We talk about this generous orthodoxy, right? Yeah. And you go back to this idea of these older things that are, have been known for centuries, right? Millennium. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she would argue that, that it's all known. We just need to be respectful of this past and mm-hmm. and learn it. And there's some truth to that for sure, yeah. right? Yeah. But equally, the world seems to be changing so fast that we need to be prepared. And I think you and I would maybe kind of agree on this: is be able to be prepared to adapt, maybe those learnings, to fit better in today's times. In today's times. Yeah. So it's not that you're throwing them out, but it's just like it's not a verbatim translation that you would use today. Um, no, because I think a lot of it would be lost in meaning mm-hmm. or translation. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean that's <laughs> that's a whole different can of worms. Yeah, that's super cool. Yeah, I, you know, and you've been giving, you've been sharing those with me too, like just different, you know, um, said Marcus Aurelius. And yeah, yeah, I've been delving deep into Stoicism and and a little bit of uh, quantum physics and <laughs> combining the two um, it's it's cool to see because I think the, the the engineer in me gravitates towards I mean as much as I have tried to move away from engineering I still gravitate towards the science yeah. behind it but I think the wisdom is equally important because these That's men lived these lives and obviously they you know did well I mean we don't know how they survive, but you know uh, their teachings have been or practices have been passed down for generations. Yeah, for sure. yeah. So clearly they were doing mm-hmm. something right, uh, but then the science just makes it go around for me. Someone like me. Yeah, you know. Well, I, I think I'm very rational, very analytical. You know, and I think that um, that's kind of how I approach the world too. Mm-hmm. And to, to your point, you know, and maybe that's a man thing. I don't know. Like, you know, I've never been another gender. Yeah. Yeah, but I, you know, as we talk about some of the things we're talking about, is being comfortable with some of those other things, right? Like, like being okay not to have the answer, just to be empathetic. Mm-hmm. You know, being okay just to listen and not solve. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I I think it's really interesting that back, you know, and I'm just only talking about these things because I've listened to your podcast and lately too. But it's you know, what does it mean to be a man? What does it mean to be a man today? What will it mean to be a man in the future? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so when you think about, it, I think about that. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, am I preparing myself? You know, who wants to be that guy? That's like everyone's like, oh yeah, he's uh, he's just you know he's a little stickler on this stuff. He's having trouble you know with this. Like yeah, I don't want to be that guy ever. Yeah, you know I want to be able to talk to my grandkids and be able to relate to them mm-hmm. just as much as I relate to you. Yeah, yeah. Which means I'm going to have to change. Well, yeah, and I think there's an aspect of just. Staying young and being able to adapt, like you said, because mm-hmm. um, our brains are truly plastic. Yeah. And and you'll have to constantly be trying to uh, adapt to those things, mm-hmm. so your your brain keeps 
changing shape or, or is it plasticity or is it elasticity? Is it the actual? Which is these? You know, they, you know, they, have you seen those things? Really? Yeah, yeah. From a material standpoint, it, it's so. There's uh, elastic is where it, it can come back. Plastic is where it, it can reshape. Yeah. Okay. Because I think you've seen those studies where someone loses their uh, ability to have balance and they put a hard hat and they put the sensors on their tongue. And the, the research is super interesting. The researcher yeah. says we just need to get the signal to the brain. The brain yep. will know what to do with it. We don't have to. And so basically, somehow, you know, with the gyroscope and yep. in the in the helmet, and like your tongue learns how to perceive those signals. Yeah, your brain knows how to make it balance you. Yeah, yeah. Somehow. I mean, there's tons of research <laughs> I've read where because um, there's the motory sensors and and then like the the sense. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So. Those, like often those uh, neurotic or I think it's synaptic connections don't break off. Mm -hmm. So if you're able to keep them firing, then you can maintain some of those movements even though you may not be able to like actually perceive it. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's a That's lot. Interesting. Yeah, there's a lot that goes on in there. But uh, yeah, so I guess as we come to a close here, Sean, like, um, Again, knowing this is kind of the everyday man, like, what would you like to offer to men who are kind of similar to yourself? And, and as you mentioned, the way the world is shifting. Um, yeah, what would you like to offer as guidance? You know, I, I actually think we kind of covered a lot of the stuff. You know, I, I think this idea of courage, mm -hmm. right? It's doing the right thing or trying to be your better self when maybe it doesn't feel good. Yeah, you know, um, and that's hard to do. Mm -hmm. um, I like the whole conversation about um, maintaining your ability to adapt. Like, check yourself, right? Like, it's yeah. easy to get locked. It's so it's so easy. Mm -hmm. And I do like this idea of you know keep the hope of your mental plasticity. Right? Like, your brain can probably do it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, and keep your brain trained in that. Give it lots of chances to kind of do and try different things. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that's, and I, I think you, I think you actually got, nailed it when you said, you know, these things get smaller, but it doesn't actually have to be that way. You and I are relatively new friends, mm -hmm. you know, and so it's like actually, you can actually, with your experience, not have to go through a hundred people to meet people that you actually have connections with. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You can recognize them very quickly when you meet them, and then get these great experiences where you're running, doing podcasts, having great conversations. You know, having a tea instead of having a, a beer. You know, like, you, there's a bunch of things that opened up when we became friends. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I guess the last thing I would say is, um, you, you, you know how you're in a really good mood? And then one thing happens. Yeah. And then you're in a really bad mood. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's good to remember that actually happens both ways. Yes. So when you're in a really bad mood, you're probably only one good thing away mm. from being in a really good mood. Yes. And, and it doesn't feel that way. Like when you're really happy and everything's going great, it feels like every, everything's awesome. Yeah. And then you're feeling bad. It's like, well, that was a horrible... No, that's just what happens. Yeah. And now that you're feeling bad, you know, actually, yeah, you just need to go find a good thing. Mm -hmm. and, and I think creating those spaces where it's more probable. Mm -hmm. And again, it's not in a bottle. It's probably in a run. Mm. It's by a walk in nature. It's by, so increase your probability of good things happening to you is, is what I would say. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And thank you for sharing that. Uh, the only thing I would add there is, um, I think for me, what I've started noticing, it, I guess two things there. When something bad happens, um, try to note it down. Oh, yeah. Like understand <clears throat> what happened, <clears throat> what was the source, why were you so triggered? You know, uh, was there something else going on subconsciously that that little thing made you feel even worse mm -hmm. and then tr I try to meditate on it to understand okay well what's going on deep down inside for me the other thing I've started noting um, and the more I read about quantum us like the quantum you um, it starts making sense so when I start feeling like something is irritating me or upsetting me and I'm having a bad day more things start piling up. And I was mm -hmm. like, oh, here's another thing. And I think what happens is we, we attract that energy. Mm -hmm. It's what we're putting out there, right? And Or we filter it. 
Like we, we exactly we start to filter out the good yeah. things. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's to your point, there's an infinite probability of things happening out there. Um, and and we're obviously just picking out the bad ones and attracting them to mm -hmm. us. So so I think what one of the things is like if you do notice something bad or, or your feelings down, like either take a moment for yourself to reflect and, and see how you can change that around. You know, it's, it's funny, that's the second time that one's coming to me today. So it must be important. Like, and this is, I also believe in this. Yeah. The world will give you the answer. Yes. You just need to listen back to your thing. And I actually heard it today, or I read it, that um, having a journal on your nightstand and taking a little bit of time to just write down yeah. Good and the bad of the day. Yeah. Um, and, and just taking that moment to process it. It's like, what would that take you, 10 minutes? Yeah. And, and I believe in this too. Like, I think the, the, the power of that also comes in if, if, you, if it doesn't disrupt your sleep or you're know, creating more anxiety. But there's a lot our brain does if you, if, like, I, I really believe in If you give your brain a problem before bed, you're likely to wake up with the answer. Yeah. And so taking a little bit of time to just give your brain something to kind of chew on in its subconscious is really good to do. Yeah, yeah, and you were talking about Marcus Aurelius. He basically, his book Meditations was his journal, and he would start every day with these thoughts and, and kind of goals for himself. Mm -hmm. He's like, yeah, I'm going to meet irritate, irritating people throughout the day. That's just reality. How am I going to show up? And, and Sinaka, on the other side, he would journal before going to bed and he would do a full reflection on his day and mm -hmm. and to your point yeah if you do that you're you are going to wake up feeling different and with answers potentially well and if you take the five times a day to reflect yeah you know and, and go back to that well this is who i said i was going to be today super interesting mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah no this is great thank you sean for doing this thanks for having me um Absolutely. Um, I know we've been talking about this for a while, but uh, typically I ask guests if they want to share social media or any way of if get, uh, other listeners want to get hold of them. I don't know if you want to share that. Um, I'll leave it up to you. But uh, um, I think all my things are private. Yeah. And so I think anybody who's kind of looking for me maybe could find me, you know, on LinkedIn or yeah, you know. But, but most of that's I'm a pretty private person. Yeah, and that's fair. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I don't really have private people come on the podcast, but absolutely, and that's why I wanted to ask. So, but it's a good thing to reflect on. You know, um, you know, I may come back and maybe think about how I could be more public without necessarily exposing all my private stuff. Like, yeah, I've never taken the time to have a public. Uh, yeah, I'm just an everyday guy. Yeah, well, there you go. You're <laughs> private and everyday. Yeah, no, that's perfect. No, thank you again. I really appreciate this, and and thank you for being so vulnerable. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to another episode. As always, please subscribe to the podcast if you enjoy the episodes or leave a comment in the comment section. I always love hearing from you. Thank you again and until next week.